Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the 2021 growing season was one of challenges and successes at Discovery Farm, which is located adjacent to the Egg in Motion site near Langham, Saskatchewan. The Discovery Farm released its field report covering over 20 research and demonstration projects, and many of those projects are conducted in conjunction with industry partners. Blake Wyseth is the Applied Research Lead at the farm and is also the Agricultural Research Chair at Saskatchewan Polytechnic in Saskatoon. He'll talk about the past year and the impact the drought had on their work. Canary seed is well known as a bird seed, but it will soon be marketed as a health food product for consumers. In addition, the human food product will have a different name. Adele Bittner, the general manager of the Canary Seed Development Commission of Saskatchewan, will talk about the change in marketing and the processing that's happening in the province. After the break, Blake Wyseth. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Blake Wyseth is the Applied Research Lead at Discovery Farm. And Blake, I understand some interesting research results came out from what was a very dry year. But it's interesting, you know, in the midst of drought conditions, I think there's still good information, good lessons that we can learn. Because the reality is in Saskatchewan, I think very rarely, if ever, do we have, you know, so-called perfect moisture conditions, right? Over what I call the growing season, so May 1st till the end of August, uh, we had 126 mills at our site this year. Um, Now, compared to 2020, which definitely wouldn't call that a wet year by any stretch of the imagination, but over the same period, we had 286 mills. So, you know, more than double in 2020 of what we had in 2021. So, Blake, tell us about research at the Discovery Farms Field of Excellence. This is an annual project that we have at our Discovery Farm site. Uh, started it in uh, 2019. Really, it's about bringing together partners from the entire supply chain. So, you know, we have great partnerships with equipment companies like Batterstad Industries, with Cloth and Canada West Harvest Centre on the harvest equipment, you know, input companies, Nutrient Egg Solutions, egg tech companies like Croptimistic Technology. And in any case, we bring together all these partners and we're, really we're just trying to use multiple data layers to manage our field. And so the data comes from some hardware and sensors installed within the field, like soil moisture probes, other different uh, soil mapping technologies. And uh, in this year, one of the main things that we're trying to focus on is um, using these different data layers really to uh, have a good uh, and comprehensive weed management strategy to target some of those challenging weed species we have. So tell us about how the weeds did this year. Were they able to adapt to the dry conditions as well? Well, the weed, there's certain weed species, you know, that just really thrive under these harsh conditions, right? And so at our Discovery Farm site, you know, kosha was one of those, uh, which really just C4 plants really just thrives under these conditions. And so, yeah, that was the, the weed in particular that we were trying to manage in this season. And I think it's pretty safe to assume that the yields were pretty variable as well. So definitely significant variation in yield. And, you know, the driving factor, of course, this year being just, you know, where was that extra little bit of moisture that the crop could access, right? So as an example, in this season, in our field of excellence project, we had two crops, flax and wheat. 
in the flax field, our best performing areas of the field, which were again those low spots, those wettest areas, we had 13.7 bushels per acre, nearly 14 bushels per acre, right? Compared to the hilltops, the driest areas of the field, averaging three and a half bushels per acre, right? So, you know, just about three to four times higher yield in the best performing areas of the field compared to the, the worst. And so I think as a, as a farmer or what, even what we're trying to understand at our discovery farm site is, you know, how can we try to manage and understand that variation in moisture across the field? Can we look at different management practices to try to, I guess, maximize productivity in the midst of harsh conditions? Blake Wyseth is the Applied Research Lead at Discovery Farm, which is adjacent to the Egg in Motion site. So, Blake, let's touch on some of the projects you've worked on, uh, starting with water management. Yeah, this one we actually started in uh, 2020 and thankful for the support of the Water Security Agency, the Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association and the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association partnered on this project. It's about in the province here, you know, how do we manage our water across our fields, right? And so in our situation here at, at our Langham site, we identified eight um, sloughs within the field or mini basins, call them what you want, but these are areas that are periodically flooded throughout the growing season, usually early in the spring, maybe later in the summer after a, a large rainfall event in June or that sort of thing. So we have a construction of surface pitches to remove the water from these low areas. And then starting in 2021 here, we had a field project looking at different management practices that we can use in these areas to, again, try to maximize our productivity and uh, these areas, they tend to be impacted by things like salinity, maybe high nutrients um, from years past of fertilizer application. So um, some of the things we're looking at is variable rate fertilizer application, um, also the use of annual forages in a polycropping mixture, um, and some other things too. So you touched on salinity. Is that a bigger concern in very dry years? Salinity is a concern uh, for sure. Salinity, it's a water issue <laughs> um, in, as, uh, in as much as it is a soil issue. So what we have is uh, where you have a condition where your water table below the surface has salt dissolved in it. And as those uh, water is being brought up to the surface from crop uptake, the water gets used, but the salts get left behind, right? And so you can see that manifested in dry years like this. On the flip side, though, as we're using moisture in the dry years, sometimes that water table is uh, pushed down lower. So in this salinity project, this is a multi-year project we have. And uh, in this year, we're comparing our soil samples from 2021 to 2020. And this year, actually, in some areas, the salinity decreased a little bit compared to what we saw in 2020, mostly because those salts are being pushed further down deep. The water management project, the salinity project, these are um, multi-year studies. We're um, looking to be, you know, for the salinity project, tracking productivity of those forages over time. Again, looking at, you know, what impact, um, how are those soils changing over time? So we're looking at that for the water management project. Um, Similar, just getting um, different data. And then especially for that one, looking at collecting snow and runoff water samples over the spring and winter here. Um, as another sort of piece of information to understand how effective these management practices are.
Well, I guess after such a dry year, it's really nice to see uh, a good snow cover. Thankfully, I think with these last couple of shots, we've actually got some decent snow cover. So I'm very thankful for that. I mean, early on with the um, you know very dry fall we had, of course, uh, and early on in the winter, I was getting a little nervous. But I think we're in pretty good shape now with these last couple of events. Blake Wyseth is the Applied Research Lead at the Discovery Farm near Langham, which is adjacent to the Egg in Motion site. And you can get a copy of the Discovery Farm 2021 field report by going to discoveryfarm.ca slash Langham. After the break, we'll learn about a new name and new marketing for canary seed. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Adele Bittner is the General Manager of the Canary Seed Development Commission of Saskatchewan. Adele, some exciting times for the industry with the seed uh, approved for human consumption, but uh, we're also going to be getting used to a new name. So why the change? Canary seed originated from the Canary Islands off the coast of West Africa, hence the name Canary Seed, much like Brussels sprouts originated from Brussels, Belgium. But when we look at recently being approved for human use, we wanted to refer to it with a different name, the canary seed, because obviously people refer to canary seed as a bird seed, when in fact we're using the Spanish name, which is alpiste. And uh, alpiste sounds more palatable, I guess, for lack of a better word? Absolutely. And, you know, we did some studies before you went down this path to see which would be more appealing to consumers when they want to try this new seed. What type of market uh, do you see for this product and where would it fit into the consumer spectrum? We're very excited to have this product launched and look forward to the day when it gets on the shelf. Alpiste, as as we know, is, is grown mainly in Saskatchewan. It's an excellent source of plant based protein, healthy fat, and also carbs. It has 21% protein, which is higher than quinoa, it's higher than chickpeas, it's higher than flaxseed, and some other cereals as well. It has magnesium composition is comparable to quinoa. Its iron composition is slightly higher than flaxseed. So it's a really, really tasty grain packed with protein and some very good nutrients. So we do talk a lot about food sensitivities, uh, a lot of gluten-free product options are available now. So where does Alpiste fit into all of this? Alpiste has tested and proven to be gluten-free, so that'll be very exciting for many people who are looking for a gluten-free diet. However, those that have an allergy to wheat are advised that they may also have an allergy to canary seed because it may contain some protein similar to the wheat protein. So again, if some people are having a tough time tolerating wheat, they may also have a challenge with Alpiste. But for that large majority that doesn't, Alpiste, as I say, is a gluten-free product, and that will really be of interest to those that are searching for some alternates. And the product is processed in Saskatchewan, and I understand that there's a plant in Saskatoon? We're a number one leader of canary seed. Um, We have 65% of the world's market right here in Saskatchewan. So when you're looking at supporting local and you want to support farms and agriculture in Saskatchewan, you can certainly keep your eye for uh, Alpiste hitting the shelves. There's three different options. Infrared, for sure, has Alpiste flour and meal available. The Weens and James family from Herschel, Saskatchewan, are also producing some de 
seed that they're packaging directly as well. And Purely Canada Foods is currently working on products that include LP state. So do you see that we're still a few years away from seeing these products on specialty food shelves? I wouldn't say we're a few years away. I would say this last year we certainly made some great strides in getting some suppliers to dehull the alpasty seed. It's such a small seed and it takes special equipment to dehull it and, you know, a market to develop. So we're just on the cusp of getting that going. So I'm hoping it's not a few years. But we do want people to follow us. We have our, we've just launched a website, alpistecanada.ca. And I'll just spell that. It's A-L-P-I-S-T-E. Again, alpistecanada.ca. And you can follow and check in on our website for updates. We have recipes. We have uh, lots of different nutritional facts, as well as the nutritional breakdown for both the U.S. and Canada, because, of course, it's been approved in U.S. and Canada. So I'm hoping, as I say, it's not going to be a few years away. I would just encourage people to keep uh, checking back and, and watching for suppliers. Adele Bittner is the General Manager of the Canary Seed Development Commission of Saskatchewan. The commission launched a new website to promote Alpiste, and again, it is spelled A-L-P-I-S-T-E. So just go to alpistecanada.ca. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of January 3rd, 2022. Arbitrators issued the final report into U.S. complaints about how Canada is interpreting North American trade rules around dairy imports. Both countries are claiming a victory in this dispute. The U.S. had requested a settlement panel last May to examine allegations from American producers that Canada is denying them fair access to the Canadian market. The panel was established under the Canada-U.S.-Mexico Agreements Dispute Resolution System. It said Canada's practices are inconsistent with the commitments spelled out in the trade deal. A Canadian statement acknowledged the report's findings about quotas for dairy processors, but offered no clue as to whether the federal government plans to appeal or otherwise challenge the ruling. The extreme temperatures that had been experienced in the month were hard on people, but very hard on animals as well. Ideally, cattle will have gone into winter in good body condition. Livestock and feed extension specialist Catherine Lang said thin cattle unfortunately do not have the fat reserves that they need and they require more feed than a cow in good body condition in cold months. She says a general rule is thin cattle require more feed to stay warm, 50 to 70% more feed during cold snap compared to a cow in the same fat cover. Livestock feed requirements increase in colder weather as they burn more energy just trying to stay warm. And with last year's drought and lower yields, feed stocks are low, which has also increased prices. John Deere announced a fully autonomous tractor that's ready for large-scale production. The new machine combines John Deere's 8R tractor, TrueSet-enabled chisel plow, GPS guidance system, and new advanced technologies. The autonomous tractor will be available to farmers later this year. The tractor has six pairs of stereo cameras, which enable 360 obstacle detection and the calculation of distance. The tractor will also continuously check its position relative to a geofence, ensuring it is operating where it is supposed to and is within less than an inch of accuracy. The autonomous tractor was unveiled during a press conference at Consumer Electronics Show in Illinois. 
The Mennonite Disaster Service says 26 truckloads of hay have been delivered to Saskatchewan. The vice chair of the Disaster Service in Saskatchewan, Ike Epp, said so far 31 transport trailer loads had been donated by Ontario farmers. Farmers are paying $0.07 cents a pound, and that goes towards transportation costs. Epp says 24 more livestock producers are still waiting for hay under the program. Nutrien is looking for a new CEO. Mayo Schmidt stepped down and also resigned from the board of directors. Ken Seitz, the company's executive vice president and CEO of Nutrien's potash business, has been named the interim CEO. The board chair, Russ Gerling, thanked Schmidt for his service and wished him the best in his next endeavors. Schmidt was named CEO at Nutrien in April 2021. He joined the company's board in 2012 and served as chair from May 2019 until he was appointed CEO. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.